Hello and welcome to Midnight Showing. I'm Nash, that's Luke, and this week the random movie we watched at midnight was Alfonso Cuaron's Children of Men. Was it worth it? That's what we're here to tell you, and don't worry, we will notify you before we start spoiling it. Luke? Nashy boy! <laughs> we got a movie this week, son. We got a movie this week. I'm a real big fan, and I'm glad that you recommended it. So, let's get right into Children of Men. This movie is starring quite a few people. Start with my boy, Clive oh, Owen, dude. Clive Owen playing Theo Farron, and I really enjoyed this character. Uh, second one I want to talk about is uh, Claire Hope Ashity, who's playing Key, who's the other star of this movie. We got Julianne Moore playing Julian. We got, um, I cannot pronounce that dude's name, Shuatel EG04 playing Luke. And uh, most importantly, in my opinion, <laughs> we got Michael Caine with hair. Hair in this movie on Michael Caine, dude. Jasper in this movie, dude. And uh, like you said, it's directed by Alfonso Cuaron. Did you uh, know any other Alfonso Cuaron movies? I think we had this conversation and we said that it we, appeared yeah. as though he didn't have that many movies. I, he didn't have he didn't have very many movies because we were like somebody I think somebody else was like I think I've heard of him before and so we searched him up and he had like six movies or something but he directed like uh, it was like the Prisoner of Azkaban the Harry Potter movie easily the best well, Harry Potter yeah, movie yeah it's one of the best without a doubt so he's a good director and this movie certainly shows that as well all right so. Uh... What year is it in this movie? 2027, the right? <laughs> the world. It's 2027, baby. In the middle of the apocalypse. Which is a big... For me, um, you know, as many movies as I've seen, this is a big This is a big difference. It isn't a post-apocalyptic movie. It's an apocalypse movie. It's a functioning um, apocalypse. And I, I really like the way that they did it in this movie. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, so the problem with uh, the issue that the world is facing in this movie is that women are no longer fertile on Earth. There hasn't been a newborn human child in 18 years. Uh, we quickly learn, uh, while most of the world has pretty much crumbled under the pressure of, of this new reality, England re retains that most familiar style of life. Uh, sort of business as usual. They have a status quo to the world before this happened. Um, just for context, the film, uh, it's set in 2027. It was released in 2006. Yeah, so, you know, there's not too much, like, fut futuristic stuff in this movie, really. Yeah. And that's what I enjoy about it. Because if we go back to 12 Monkeys, that movie is super weird. And, like, they tried to give it this flavor that it was in the future. This movie feels like I watched it and it took place in 2006. Yeah. And so these 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 motifs, Luke. <laughs> yeah, these motifs, bro. Like, th I really like this movie, so like, I'm really excited to like start getting into it. So that's why I'm a little like jittery right now. But uh, <laughs> you know, o overall, this movie is about fighting for the future and fighting for something that like something that's bigger than you and that you know will change the world. So like, mm -hmm. it's a really dark world and it's about life, mortality, oppression in the government, past oppressions, um, abuse of substances, and really just like fighting for your right to be alive. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that really is just sort of the point that kind of brings the whole movie to the center. It's kind of like, what even is that fight? Um, we'll get into that later. So, but before we do, you know, we're about we're we're gonna we're gonna give it the rating. Um, you know, so thumbs up or down, friend. 
Thumbs up. Thumbs Let's up. go. It's a thumbs up. It's an easy thumbs up. Easy thumbs up. This is a really good movie, and I'm another movie I'm surprised I never seen before, dude. I I don't yeah. know how I how I missed this one. I liked it so much. I think I actually found this movie because I like had just seen like the inside job with Clive Owen. <laughs> really? And I was like, what other movies is he in? And I saw Children of Men. I was like, oh, Michael Caine's in this. Yeah, I'm going to give it a watch. And um, Michael Caine so, really, really brings it home, dude, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Great performance on his part. Um, but before we start spoiling, because um, we do definitely suggest you go see this movie, pause the video, like and subscribe, go watch it, and then come back and listen to us wreck it. <laughs> <laughs> wreck it in a good way, though. In a good way. It's a great movie. I might spoil it. All right. So, well, what are your thoughts, Luke? <laughs> first things first. Ah! <laughs> that was a film, bro. Well, that's going to be um, great. <laughs> great opening, dude. So, like, you know what? Let's start right at the beginning of this movie. Because I feel like that beginning scene really sets the tone for everything yeah. that we're going to see and in the movie. And that's why I kind of mentioned that stuff earlier because it really isn't spoiling the movie if it's in if it's in like the first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's like trailer status. Yeah. So, um, so first thing we hear in this movie is a newscast, which um, I I love when movies like do that give you a taste of the news in the world. I feel like that's a really natural way to like kind of give um, exposition like, about yeah, it. yeah. Ex exposition and backstory and stuff. So, um, the youngest kid on earth has died. Um, do you remember how he died? I forget how he died. Um, I think he got shot. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was, sure he, he was... got shot by some some fanatic. Yeah, well, yo, he hates being the most famous kid in the world because he was literally just the last baby born, so he never asked yeah. to be famous or anything. And I think that he, that kind of turned him into a jerk, and that he ended up just being a jerk to the wrong people, and his life oh, yeah. ended, which is very sad. But... A lot of more, a lot more hope to come. So uh, we're in this coffee shop, and like right away, there's a tint over the movie that's just very like um, dark colors, and like you can get that real feel from it as all the people are like watching horrified on the television that the youngest person has died. That like we are not in the best place to be right now, like at all. Yeah, it's got like kind of like uh, especially with how this coffee shop scene ends with that bombing. And that lady, like, holding her own arm. Um, it really, not only is that, like, particular shot reminiscent of, like, Saving Private Ryan, but it kind of feels like it has that same kind of blue, hazy, like, tint over it the whole time. Like, it's, everything's a little bit darker and a little gloomier than, than normal. Yeah, and uh, that's something that just plays to the movie's benefit and gives it, like, a lot of character, you know what I mean? So, um... So he goes into the, so um, Clive Owen, our main character in the movie, he walks into this um, this this crowd of people in this coffee shop watching the newscast, and he doesn't care. He's totally like yeah. not bothered by it. by it. Yeah. So he gets his coffee. He um, he pays for it. He comes out. He walks away, and uh, there's an explosion. Yeah, whole coffee <laughs> ball shop blows up. Inciting Which, incident. <laughs> it's it's really incredible how like that that is such a good scene because. You don't have a character that's just giving you exposition. Like, I love in Austin Powers how there's that character Basil Exposition, because that's all he does. He just, tells you, he just tells you what the hell the movie's going on, and every time a movie has that kind of character, it, it feels unrealistic. It feels like, why the hell are they really there? They, they couldn't just write it in some other way. But that scene immediately shows you something different about um, his character. 
because he doesn't care. It's essentially like 9-11 happened, and everyone's watching, like, the towers go down, and he just walks in and is like, can I get my coffee? All right, bye. (laughs) Yeah, and then next thing you know, everyone in the coffee shop is dead, and it's like, whoa, God. Yeah. Hold, hold hold up their movie like, well what's what's going on? But then it's it's one of those things that like doesn't depreciate what happened. It just makes you intrigued and want to keep watching the movie, right? And it, yeah, oh my god! And it really it's such a good like establishing shot because it's like we just had that super normal moment, you know, that everybody can relate to about just, you know going and getting coffee and something crazy's on the news, and then we had okay, the harshness of the world we live in is right there in the middle of it. He yeah, was right moments away you, from dying. Yeah. yeah, and that is... It's it's straight up, we've just talked about the first, like, five minutes of the movie, and, <laughs> and it's, it's beautifully set. <laughs> yeah, beautifully set. So um, then for the next, like, half hour is when we kind of get that exposition and, like, learn about the world and stuff, and this is when, um, when we, mm-hmm. w- when we first meet Jasper and they're driving in the car, there's a really subtle line that I really like that sets the tone for who Theo Ferens is, and, um, uh, Jasper's talking to him, Michael Caine's talking to him, and he's like, nah, dude, I, I wake up and I feel like shit, I go to work, I feel like shit, and then, uh, Michael Caine's like, that's called a hangover, and then Theo Ferens says, at least with a hangover, I feel something. <laughs> And that, yeah, that sets the tone for the whole movie, dude. At least with a hangover, I feel something. So you know that, like, this world has become numb, and this world has become desensitized to all the terrible atrocities that would happen in an apocalypse like this, you know? Like, it's been 18 years since the last baby was born. Like, things have been going on like this for a while, and you can tell just by following Clive Owen that the world is not in a good place right now. And that's where we get a really excellent look at sort of the meaning of mortality in this movie. Because in that same car ride, they're talking about, um, like, uh, Jasper. Um, His character is asking if he's, like, met any girls recently. And he's like, no, the the girl I was meeting became a, what was it, Uh, like a redeemer. And, like, it just means that they, like, pray all day in the streets that God is going to end the apocalypse from happening. And so yeah. it's real. It's really sort of just like you have these. You have a lot of dynamics to how people are handling this. Where um, Clive Owen's character is just a heavy drinker. That's heavy, how he's handling it. Heavy, Doesn't heavy. really care about what's going on. Everything's going to shit. Bleep that out in the edit. And uh, <laughs> and you know that that's sort of how he's going to handle this other this pain that everybody's going through and then you've got sort of the most contrasting character is jasper where he's just a pot farmer (laughs) he's just high as a kite (laughs) the the perfect the perfect dialogue that establishes that between them is when um michael kane's trying to tell him a joke and then oh my god yeah yeah. clive owen is like all stinky about it like he doesn't want to hear the joke and jasper just says i'm just trying to tell a joke man And it it, it, it makes it obvious that not everybody in this world is on that same page as Jasper and that, like, this situation has unfolded into something crazy. And that's probably one of the main reasons I like this movie so much is that it gives you a functioning apocalypse that feels really real. Like, that is what would actually Mm -hmm. happen if the apocalypse was to happen in that, like, 
I don't want to get into, like, coronavirus or anything like that, but if people have been making jokes about, like, the coronavirus being the apocalypse, but, like, everything is still kind of going, just slowing down a little bit. That's how I felt watching this movie. Like, the, like the part... Uh, we're, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but, like, the school is totally abandoned because there's no kids. You That's not something you would, like, think of, but... Yeah. The world wouldn't end because there's no school. It would just keep going, and people would find a way to keep getting coffee in the morning. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's well, honestly about how that mo- how the movie pulls you in like that. Like that is, it's a beautiful look at mortality and why it keeps coming up in the movie is just because everybody. It's like everybody is handling tragedy how they would instantly. Mm. You know, some yeah. people ignore it. The government is the best. It's probably the best example of that. They are maintain the status quo, keep England on the right track. But, you know, then you've got all these other crazy religious fanatics. Some of them pray all day. Some of them beat themselves in the streets for redemption, you know? Mm-hmm. And, dude, ja- Jasper just spends all his time in the woods because he just wants to be away from all of that sadness yeah. and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh... No, where, what do you got? No, I, you go, you go, you go, bro. You go. You I was go, just bro. saying, <laughs> another thing um, that's sort of... Jasper also brings up this sort of hypocrisy in the government thing too um because that's when we learn about like the suicide tablets and his comment is you know the government hands out suicide tablets like they're candy but ganja is still illegal yeah and that's another great parallel to our own world where there's just some stuff that makes no sense and stuff stuff that just makes like a ton of sense you know what i mean yeah like yeah well yeah like drug laws where it you know it it the leth- the lethality of a narcotic doesn't really determine how illegal it is. It's just mostly based upon what type of people are using it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that's kind of how the movie establishes itself: is that there's a bombing right in the beginning, and then we're talking to Jasper, and we're really realizing the difference in the world and the way that everything's happening. And then um, Clive Owen gets kidnapped. He gets kidnapped right away, and like, just so like this movie is moving quick, moving real quick in the beginning. Yeah. And he gets kidnapped, and it turns out he gets kidnapped by his ex-wife. And I really enjoyed the relationship between the ex-wife and Clive Owen because they're polar opposites at this point in their life, whereas he used to be like her because um, she is very much for the revolution. That's why he, she kidnapped him, because she needed his help. And he yeah. fell, she fell so far out of it that he's just numb to it now. So it gives you these two kind of... Um, two it gives you mindsets. two more examples of how you know people are handling pain. Yeah. Yeah, it gives you so. Yeah, 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 definitely. It brings in that mortality, or, uh, you know, mortality thing again. Like, you know, what is the value of life in the scope of wh- everything that's going on? The scope of this massive tragedy. Um, but it, it, I think it's very important to note too that when that happens, I don't think a third of the movie has even been played. It maybe like twenty minutes. Yeah. Of of actual screen time has rolled through, so that's why. I think you'll agree to this, um, why the movie is so good, because we've only been watching for roughly 15 to 20 minutes. We're already believing the world, interested in the world. They haven't used a bunch of worthless exposition to explain the world. They've largely shown us the world, and in only 20 minutes, we're fully engrossed in it. Yeah, and it feels real, dude. It feels real, like... Back to, back to, I'm gonna make a lot of parallels to 12 Monkeys in this movie, because they're both post-apocalypse, but, like, 12 Monkeys doesn't feel real, <laughs> in any sense. Does yeah, that movie yeah, feel like I, it I'd agree, happen? I'd agree to that, yeah, yeah it's but, too goofy and quirky. Yeah, but this movie is very real, and really makes you, like, 
turn on that switch in your head that's like, geez, yo, could we ever get to this point as a society? And with everything going on in the world right now, it makes it even scarier, you know? Yeah, and it's kind of like, a, it's, a, it's a dangerous, I feel like if you're a director or a writer playing around with, like, time, it's a very dangerous thing. And I feel like more often than not, people want to say, you know, what's going to change in the future, like, nothing's going to look the same. Um, and I feel like the more in the future you are, the harder it is to create a believable world. Yeah, definitely. You know? Definitely. And kind of, if you kind of look at one of the best examples of like, oh, it's a future world, but it, they cop out of it is Star Wars. Yeah. It, they tell you it's a long time ago. In a far, <laughs> it's far, like, far but away. <laughs> but everything looks like it's the future. So it's like, you don't really think about it. And I think that's sort of the point of that catchphrase a long time ago in the galaxy far, far away. Yeah, I got a funny anecdote about that. I was watching episode two when I was way younger. And um, there's a part where Anakin is riding on that speeder. and He's not wearing a helmet. And my mom was like, he should really be wearing a helmet where he does that. And I was like, helmets haven't been invented yet. When I was like seven, <laughs> I was like, no, this is the past. Helmets haven't been invented yet. What are you talking about? <laughs> But it's, but it's 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 really is kind of a difficult thing because I feel like a lot of movies when they're in the future they want to go over the top, like we did see that in Twelve Monkeys and that was something we both had a comment about where this is kind of plays into a negative side of the movie where the futuristic part is the most unrealistic part of the whole movie. Yeah. It's the one thing that pulls you away from actually watching it, and it's like you look at like Blade Runner, like the original one. I didn't I haven't seen the new one. I'll, I'll I will watch it. I promise. But like the original one. That feels like a pretty believable world. Yeah. Because they sure. show you more normal life rather than, like, futuristic life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's very similar things. You just see, like, a different variety of stores and restaurants. You see a lot more people and just different types of clothing. Whereas if you look at the fifth element, you're just like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a jump. That's a jump to the fifth element. And um, so this this movie does an excellent job of just saying, like, it is the future, but everything in the future is incredibly familiar. So so that's kind of the world that it creates. And like we said, it creates that world super well. And the pacing of this movie is phenomenal. And it all starts with one scene in the car where, like, you're going, you know something's going to happen. Oh, yeah. You know something's going to happen. All of a sudden, a burning car is thrown onto the road. And before you know it, the character that we just got introduced to, that's pretty likable in those few scenes, gets shot right in the neck, dude. And that's what I love about filmmaking is when they're just like, God, not today, son. You, you like this? <laughs> I bet you did. It's gone forever. <laughs> yeah, bro. So, like, the second she gets shot, the movie is going and going and going and it doesn't stop until the end so like it just keeps you on the edge of your seat and like that's that's what really makes it so much like it kicks to the next level because you know you can have a really interesting world and then have it fall short if you're not keeping me interested but this movie is like bang 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 you know what i'm saying yeah and the second that happens um it really does you get a focus of like Time isn't elapsed. It's just sort of you're watching it as it happens from then on. So where it's like the first 15 minutes of just setting the world that we talked about, it maybe took place over like one or two days, you know, mm -hmm. that yeah. whole that whole time period. And then the whole rest of the movie takes place in like the same amount of time. But that's like an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's very, very real time. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's just another crazy way just to look at how, you know, it isn't that important to show it, or isn't that important to tell it. The ability to show it is way more effective and way more interesting. I don't know if you, I don't know if you want to talk about something else in the plot before we get into the camera, because I know you wanted to talk about how the camera works. Well, nah, bro, you honestly just segued it perfectly, because, like... The reason why this world feels so full is because we're not being told things about the world. We're being shown things about the world. So, like, you watch this movie, and there's, like, five or six times where the camera gets bored with Clive Owen. The movie gets bored with the main character and pans over to something that you wouldn't expect it to pan over to. Like, there's the part where the old woman is in the cage yelling at that police officer. Or there's the part where, um, oh, yeah. after they come out and that lady is just yelling in the middle of the street because her son or husband or whoever died in her arms and like that has nothing to do with the plot that Clive Owen is involved with but yet we're given like five seconds of this person crying five seconds of this person yelling and the world just feels so full and it just it's so finessed and makes you not even think about it while it's happening and then you go back and you're like oh my god like I didn't even notice all that stuff was happening until the movie was over yeah and it, it kind of makes you it kind of makes it made me sort of feel like if I was, like, in this place for the first time, like, what are things I'm going to look at, you know? Like, if I step into somebody's new house, like, when they, uh, when they, uh, when you're introduced to Jasper for the first time, it's like, it's essentially like you walked into his house for the first time because there's that long pan of a shot where it shows, like, this table that his, ink, whatever is wrong, his comatose wife, I assume, Mm-hmm. It shows like where she this desk so that she sits by and it pans over all of it and it just like has all these news articles about them so like you get their whole backstory just by less than thirty seconds of film and I guarantee that the first time you watch it you're gonna miss it so yeah it just, it, it replay value of the movie just goes up a, a ton by once once you realize that the camera doesn't even care about the movie that it's filming you know what I'm saying it's so the cool ca- the, yeah the camera really is interested in telling you stuff as much as any character's dialogue is mm-hmm. Which, the camera feels like uh, a character in this movie yeah no I would totally agree with that statement I think that's an excellent way to put how, how it works in this um, we didn't even get get into the one shots yet bro Oh my god. <laughs> and, yeah. that's, and that's why the movie takes a lot longer in that sort of second act. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll get into the production really quickly, but like, there's at, I, I, top of my head, there's at least three. I think there's a couple more where there is at like a couple five minute scenes where they don't cut anything and it's done flawlessly, dude. And yeah. it was one, it was one, you, you, again, this is a movie that you'd seen and I hadn't seen. And I was watching it with you this week and I was like, four minutes into it, I was like, wait, dude, did they just not cut at all for all of that? And you were like, yeah. And then it <laughs> happened again. Then it happened again. And I'm just like, Dude, like, ah! <laughs> like, get ready for it, man, because that's the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. So, like, okay, so so far we've established that this is a dark world with interesting characters, and the production of it is great. So that's a triple threat right there of a good <laughs> movie, dude, and it just doesn't stop from there. So let's get into those like themes and the morals of the story a little bit more, so we can kind of okay. dissect like what, why everything behind the movie makes it extra interesting. So let's start with. Key. I feel like we haven't really talked about the one of the main characters of the movie yet. You want to kind of explain what her whole deal is? Yeah, okay. So, Key, 
essentially, you know, if you've seen the movie, you know that he has to transport Key. Um, they're trying to get to this ship called the Tomorrow, so the human project, the human project, can sort of take what she has and use it to save humanity. What does she have? A baby. She's Ooh. the most. She is the most recent pregnant person ever. In about, in about twenty years, no one's been pregnant except for her. Except for her, and so that this character, you initially don't really know that because you meet her sitting in a car. You know. Yeah, and she's mean. <laughs> she is mean. She's bro. mean. She's yeah, she's a little rude. Nice. She's a little rude. She yeah. said her first line is "The fuck are you looking at?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, not that not that great, but upon sort of discovery that she is pregnant, um, when you are privy to that information, there's a lot of ideas surrounding, like, what is the next step Yeah, that they should do? And that's, and again, a really realistic question of, like, exactly. what would you do if you were part of the small group of people who knew about this? There's only and 20 people in the world who know that there's a new baby on her. How do you how do you tell the entire world that's been burning for so long that there's a baby in the world? If people are even going to believe you, you don't even know what they're going to do with the baby, dude. Like, hey, we have hope, and like, exactly, you don't know how anybody is going to actually react to that, and that's sort of the big thing. Is like, her issue is that Key is a refugee. They refer to them as Fujis. She's from another country that's been swallowed up by the current apocalypse in the world. She tried to come to England, you know, for, you know, just to live. And uh, they don't... The, Clive Owen's character suggests that they uh, be, go public with the, with the baby. Because there's nothing they can do with that. If everybody knows, they have all the power. Because nobody's going to want to fight that. Everyone is going to want to get behind her and help that. And somebody mm -hmm. instantly shoots it down by saying, they wouldn't let a Fuji be it. They get a posh black English woman to be the mother but in reality it'd be a lie just so the government can sort of take control of the situation so that how real does that <laughs> issue feel <laughs> like right? yeah they would wouldn't they I believe they would <laughs> yeah that kind of segues us into um, immigration in this movie and that's kind of like the main term and the main thing that they show of how the oppression is working in this movie is immigration and all of these people are immigrants so they're not considered people in this world like yeah. it's, i i thought i saw a lot of similarities to like the holocaust where like you saw a lot of buses of people being sent places and just put in a cage and you have no idea what's going to happen to them and it gives it plays to the dark tone of the movie that makes you realize that like you're just watching something that's not too great it's a really it's a really dark dark thing and that's really just dis disturbing in the in the movie honestly is the way that you see how the government is treating everybody and it kind of scares you into thinking that like that is actually super plausible that like in a situation like that like that's how they would deal with it you know and it's sort of how a lot of countries that have sort of that are massive economic authorities in the world immigration is something that almost always gets brought up um in the U.S. here, if you didn't know about it, immigration's been something that's been a, for political debate for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the same case goes for England, like, when the whole Brexit thing 
is around, you know, how much are we part of the European Union? How much are we going to let other people come in here? You know, all of that sort of plays into it. And it's a factor for it. And here it's sort of like England, more specifically London, is like the last remaining place. Yeah. And the government, to maintain the status quo, is don't let anybody in because everybody that is in right now we don't have enough for them. That's the feel that you get from the movie because you, you see like them throwing, destroying apartments, looking for refugees. You see all these refugees in cages that hits a little bit more closer to home in recent news. Um, but it is a very real world problem and they're not, they don't handle the problem. Like it's the apocalypse, you know, they handle it like it's normal everyday life. Yeah, which is scary, you know, that's a really scary thing to think about, that, like, when the population gets so small and people are so torn apart, you can't do anything right now, you know? Again, I don't want to get into any politics on this show, but with everything going on in the country right now, it's just shown that there's a lot of people who believe in the same thing. What happens when there's not that many people left and they all believe in something? What, exactly. What can, what, what can really happen when there's not that many people left in the world, you know? I think I think that's sort of the excellent... the the kind of like the underlying brilliance of this movie is it really is sort of like back up against like you're when you're pushed back as far as you can go your back's up against the wall like how do you handle it are you going to handle it the exact same or is one instance going to change it what would it take to change the whole thing overnight um i guess we can get that into a little bit later towards the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to, before we, before we get too off topic, I want to circle back to Key and when we first find oh, yeah. out she's, she's pregnant. So, um, a lot of symbolism in this movie and I found that the shot when you find out that Key is pregnant is really interesting because not only does she, um, she holds the position of like, um, old paintings of, um, pregnant women. Like she, yeah, has she, her, she has her hand over her nipples and like she's holding the, um, <laughs> She's yes. <laughs> she's holding like her her the belly of her baby and she looks very like kind of biblical which I think is what yeah. they're going for and she's also standing in the middle of a bunch of cows because it, they're, they're they're on a farm and they're just in the slaughterhouse and she's standing in the middle of all these cows with a pregnant baby it looks like cows. a renaissance painting it really yeah, does, like that it shot it really does yeah and um y- you know all the animals in this movie. I think um, I think that kind of they're kind of trying to make a point that like with all of this terrible stuff going on in the world, there's still animals and they're still here. And all the animals have this certain um, affection to Clive Owen, as if Clive Owen is kind of like the person in this world that we needed because he'll believe in something enough and he'll get us to that point. So like yeah, oh yeah. There, there's um if anybody ever watched hunter x hunter or anything like that there's always that thing that like um if animals like you you're a good guy if animals like you then people can trust you and i feel like that's kind of shown in this movie by like the kitten crawling up his leg or the dogs always loving him or oh everything. yeah we see that deliberately it's it's actually mentioned in that that's a good point you made because that's something i didn't really consider but he's deliberately like someone deliberately says oh the dog likes you it doesn't like anybody yeah like that's an excellent point yeah, so I feel like, you know, we're in a dark world and we're following the right people. And that's established super well and it really makes us get behind these two characters. And that's why at the beginning of the review I said I loved his character so much in this movie. Because, like, Theo's the boy, bro. Like, he's the homie and it's su- – I don't want to get into – we'll get into the end later. I'm very sad about the ending of this movie. 
Um, let's not let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. So now we know that Key is pregnant in this dark world, and we don't know what to do. And um, let's get into the coup that kind of happened because we realized very quickly that. Um, it might have been established by uh, some certain people that she was supposed to get shot in the neck. Nash, can you explain that? Because it was a little confusing for me the first time I watched the movie, honestly. Yeah, so essentially, um, the whole point of, you know, him visiting his nephew, which or his cousin, I think. We'll get into that scene later. But the whole point was of why the, the uh, I guess, terrorist organization sort of recruited him was to get transit papers for Key. And as they finally get them and they're moving across the border, they run into a crazy large group of just uh, assailants. I guess I remember when we were watching it, Luke, you were like, oh my god, there's just more of them coming. <laughs> there's so many. There's so just... many. <laughs> and that really makes, like, that, that scene, I think, in particular gives it that oh crap we're in the apocalypse feel you know yeah it's lawless yeah. and it's just anarchy and so what happens what we see is we see two guys on a bike one guy on the back of the bike shoots um julian is that her name julian yeah, I, I believe so i believe so yeah julian shoots julian in the neck julian is the leader of this organization that recruited theo and so what we later learn when we get to the farmhouse, which is the safe spot, is that we see two people come in wearing biker outfits that we saw earlier, complaining about how one of them got wrecked on the bike because of what Theo, you know, defended the car, how he, you know, used the car door to tip the bike over. And uh, they're complaining about how the plan didn't go very well and it almost killed a guy and it probably will. And so then we discover that that whole incident with the anarchists in the woods was staged. Yeah. Where they were just doing a coup for power because they didn't agree with Julian's idea of what to do with Key, to give her to the human project. And what that establishes for me is that there's hypocrisy in the revolution. And mm -hmm. that these people will do whatever they can to do what they think is right, not what might be right. And you know who else is probably doing what they think is right? The government. And so I feel like staging a coup like that and giving the um, the people who are supposed to be the good guys part of the revolution just, like, a dark side to it adds so much to the movie again because I don't even know who to trust now, you know? And, like, mm -hmm. um, I think it's it's better shown, not through the coup, but when they kill Michael Caine. Like, um, Jasper gets shot brutally in this movie, and it, he, it was really with no warning, and Luke didn't even give him... <laughs> dude's name was Luke in this movie, my name's Luke. <laughs> Luke. Luke didn't give him a chance to even explain himself or anything. He just began shooting him. What yeah. revolution do I want to be a part of where innocent people are getting shot at? You know yeah. what I mean? Or it's sort of the goal... And that's, that's a really good thing, because in a lot of movies where you see, like revolutions type things or just war in general there's a battle being fought a lot of times people will deliberately say in those movies you know what's the point of fighting if we lose our hum humanity along the way that's yeah. a very large reoccurring theme that Do the movie, ends justify the means yeah that movie children of men doesn't say it once doesn't say it once but that's the point that it's making yeah and you know that. You just said it. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, we didn't have to look that up to know it. We knew that it's sort of what is the, the weight of the situations that they're making. 
Yeah, man, and it's like, um, it's just like, what are you following? What do you really believe in? What do you do when you have the last chance of hope? What's the most effective way to give it to the world? Because saving the world is a crazy thought to have, dude. How many factors are involved? How many things have happened already? And now there's just this baby, and what are we going to do with this baby? And the people just get convoluted in their own heads about what they're going to do about it. And like... I just I love that dude. I love that and it makes it feel superhuman and not superhuman. It makes the movie feel very human like in the way that these people are acting and it makes everybody care a lot. And like if we jump to the end, the last scene that we see Luke, he really is just like talking about how he just forgot what babies were like and like yeah. how it just made him smile on the inside and like this guy was kind of a piece of shit for like most of the movie and at the end there you're like, "Okay, he is a human too." He did care about these people. He just didn't go about it in the correct way. And that's like, a, just do your ends justify your means? And I think that's a question that a lot of people should ask in a lot of the things that they believe in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you really see sort of how he understood, like, or we as an audience understood, he just forgot what his own morality was. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. He admits, you know, I, you know... By him saying that thing about, you know, forgetting what a baby looks like, what it smells like, it's just, he forgot what the whole point of what he was doing was. Yeah. It's like, he didn't really believe anything that he was doing for the cause, and then he sort of got the larger point at that moment where he had to look it in the face. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. That talks a lot about people's own, you know, morality and, uh... That's how we use substances, too, if you're a substance abuser. It's another thing. It sort of brings it up, like, until you're staring the direct cause or purpose of your actions in the face, you don't really know what it looks like. Because you can say you know it all you want, but once you're face-to-face with it, you can't deny it. And that, that moment choked him up as, you know, there's a whole army outside the building shooting at him. Yeah, yeah. I definitely I definitely want to get into that scene, but again, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. I feel like this is a movie that's good to talk about chronologically, just yeah. because of the way that it establishes itself and gives you little pieces. So, now, the story is essentially that we've got is that there was hypocrisy in the revolution, and now Key isn't safe. She yep. is not safe with these people because... They are, we don't know what they they want to do with the baby, but we don't agree with it because they're killing innocent people in coups. And I, I don't want to follow people who are involved <laughs> We don't in follow coups. that. We know all the animals are cool with Theo, so let's be with that guy. <laughs> yeah, so so we got Theo, um, Key, and um, the the other woman. I should I should know her name. I'm sorry, I don't know her name. Oh, I'm but, totally so, blanking on it, too. So now, now we've got these three people, and they're pretty much just on their way on a mission of faith that if they get to this circle, certain spot then the right people are going to find them and another thing that i would like to get into is the human project and the way that the human project is explained in this movie could you like kind of give me some backstory on what the human project is because they barely explain in this movie yeah the human project it's it's kind of honestly like a long-standing um thing that happens in apocalypse movies especially ones made like in from the 80s and here on is that there's this group of people that they essentially, you know, get on an aircraft carrier or an oil rig or somewhere. They go off somewhere in the ocean because, you know, you're surrounded by water, not by people and whatever the hell's going on. And they sort of are surviving the apocalypse, doing what they can on their own. And that's sort of what the Human Project is. It's a rumored sort of organization of scientists or 
smart people. It's never really explained, but everybody sort of in kind of pop culture, you know, understands what that is. Kind, um, like like the Illuminati in a certain way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's kind of like, is it real? Is it fake? I don't know. Let's just have faith in this thing. Yeah, and so that's where all these three characters are throwing every last bit of their faith into. Which is a pretty big ask when they've got, you know, human the rest of humanity in their hands. <laughs> and again, dude, the movie just feels real because they're not going off a plan. You can tell that they're just doing it by whatever's happening in that moment is what we're dealing with, you mm-hmm. know? And, um... You know, from that point on, once once they... So, the pace is set when she gets shot in the neck. Once they leave the farm after they realize that the people aren't really um, for them, we're just going, and it turns into, like, like, um, like an on-the-run type movie, and I, yeah. it's just so good, dude. It's just so good. <laughs> like, come on. They're running away. You know, they run back to Jasper. That's where we see him get killed. Um, and then they have to sneak into Beck's Hills, I believe is what it's called, the city... Um, that were there just sticking all the refugees. Yeah, so we got, we got, this is, this is when the movie feels the most apocalyptic, is when we finally get to this refugee city, because it's actually, like, totally all destroyed, and all the people seem very distraught and unhappy with what's going on, because they're refugees in this crappy city. Yeah, there's, you know, no, no running water, no lights, no electricity, um, it's just people occupying buildings without any sort of regulation it's just it's just a mob essentially living in a decrepit city that's totally walled in and it, it just all it all plays into the into those um themes that we've been talking about this whole time of just um just like what what would actually happen in the apocalypse what would it actually be like to be these people and i think it's done really well and um something we we missed over that i'm seeing in my notes right now is when jasper talks about faith and he talks about chance. And that's another thing that I really liked about this, this movie that I think um, kind of encompasses all of it, is that he kind of gives this little spiel about of how you can either go on faith or you can either go on chance. You can either believe that these things are going to happen or you can either go into a situation and just whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Again, how he's handling with the whole moral issue, the moral dilemma that everybody's faced with. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, set, like setting, setting the stage to get somebody to watch this movie, I would tell them that like this movie is fast, this movie is engrossing, and this movie has phenomenal characters, which translates into phenomenal writing. So like, if those aren't four solid reasons to watch a movie, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you look for in your, in your film. <laughs> and it, it, it really is one, another one of those movies where... You don't want to ask a single question while the movie's playing out. Because if you ask a question while it's happening, you're going to miss something. Mm-hmm. You just watch it, and you'll pick up what you pick up. And then you ask your questions at the end. Because I will be straight up. A lot of your questions probably aren't going to get answered. You're True, probably going to be confused. Yeah. yeah. Well, you said this movie was based on a book, didn't you? I did. Yeah, it so it, that's and that's probably probably a lot more fleshed out, huh? Yeah, um, I would imagine. I do. I ordered the book pretty not not too long ago, but I haven't read it yet. Um, but the author typically makes like murder mystery novels, I think. Mm. So you know, kind of an interesting. I'm I'm curious as to see how the book actually is compared to the movie. Um, but another thing, um, 
is just sort of the imagery of this movie because I know how we earlier brought up the camera is sort of its own character. Yeah. And one thing I sort of want to note about how I, I know I talked about in uh, Jasper's home, there was that pan over shot of his desk. We see that same shot happen again um, when they're in that uh, refugee city and they're in the French people's house where we don't know anything about these people, but we know that one of them won a Nobel Prize. <laughs> and so it's like, that's crazy informative to build the world we're living where this person who's a refugee trying to get citizenship in England won the Nobel Prize and isn't allowed in. And that mm-hmm. city really sort of brings together why I think you had that sort of Holocaust feel. Because it isn't, it doesn't matter, you know, who you are. Mm-hmm. You're not this, so therefore you go into there. Yeah, and that's terrible. And it's terrible and it sets, it sets the world up to just be a really dark place that we want hope to be in. And following the one thing in this world that could possibly bring it together is amazing and the, uh, I want to I want to really dissect that final scene when um, oh, they're, really? in, they're yeah they're 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 in the refugee camp and um, pretty much the army has came into refugee camp because um, they know that some, some stuff's going on and it's a huge gunfight and we're following Clive Owen because he got separated from key he finally gets up to uh, to where she is and they walk out of um, out of the building because Dude. all all of the all of the army people just stopped shooting. Everybody entirely. on both sides, like this, they just completely dumbfounded that there's a baby right now. Like I'm like, I'm trying to think of right now like a more powerful scene that I've like that I've seen in like movie in any movie. Like I'm trying to I'm trying I'm really hard trying to think of a movie. Where there is a scene that carries that much weight in it. Well, dude, this whole movie was setting up what is faith. What do you do when you have this one thing that could possibly save the world? And we get a tiny glimpse into what it could do. We get a tiny glimpse into how all of the refugees are staring at the baby. All of the officers and army people who are shooting at them are staring at the baby. Nobody's worried about the gunfight going on. Nobody's worried about the apocalypse anymore. It's just about this one strand of hope. And now we can have faith in something, dude. And like, oh my god, talk about like writing in a movie, dude. You're setting something up. How how are we going to save the world? What's going to happen when the world finds out about this baby? Well, we don't know. The movie we don't ends, know. The movie ends before know. we know we how the know. world is going to react. Instead, we got this tiny little portion of the population that saw it, and I, it plays so freaking well into what they were doing for the whole movie, dude. It feels... It feels... Okay. Uh, humor me with this thought. So, like, this right. movie... This movie is taking on a massive question of what would you do in the apocalypse if you had that much faith. But the story itself feels very small in that we're just following a few people. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. it's like we're taking a massive issue, like, how in God's name could we ever fix this terrible situation and giving us a tiny example of what could actually happen if people saw this. And, oh my God, it's just... It, in my opinion, it's just 
probably one of the like greatest moments in writing, directing, in cinemagraphic history, <laughs> which is, I guess, a big thing to say. But, but nah, dude, I agree, it's, honestly. It's, it's straight up that whole movie is getting you to that one scene. Yeah. And, and then that, once it's that there, scene it's like, delivers. It fucking freaking delivers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, dude, let's let let's go back and talk about for Queen and Country last week briefly. That movie had no weight behind anything that was happening. So once yeah. something happened, I was like, eh. okay. In this <laughs> yeah, movie, so much weight behind everything. At the end of it, I was like shaking you. I was like, dude, what the heck is going on here? Yeah. Oh my god. Alright, so that's the end of the movie, but now let's talk about the end end of the movie when homie a homie has to say goodbye, unfortunately. Can you explain that final scene in the boat for me, bruh? Oh yeah. So, um again, this movie kind of plays on <clears throat> one big thing one big concept that I know we've brought up is sort of a movie only has the time to show you whatever's going on. So all of that screen time is important. A lot yes. of movies, especially when they're made by, okay, the whole Marvel series, a lot of them they don't <laughs> give a, they don't they don't care about that time in any way. No, this it's movie, pl- it's plug plug in plug out plug in plug out. <laughs> this movie, this movie is straight up. Everything that you're seeing is important in some way. It's kind of like if you watch Rick and Morty. You'll see that a lot of things happen, like, in the background that you don't know, but it's probably a reference to something, you know? Mm-hmm, We've mm-hmm. all seen those videos on YouTube where it's like, you know, three things you didn't notice in last week's episode or something like that. Yeah. Same thing with, like, South Park and the Aliens. This movie, though, every single part of it is context. Yes. And, and one of the major points... Um, or just one of the best examples of this is when we're seeing that building right before they walk outside of that building and go through the, the rebels and the army is we see Luke uh, shoot his gun at Theo. Theo hits a wall, but that's maybe two seconds. Mm-hmm. That whole clip, maybe. It, we're not, you know, confirmed. We don't know. I I even wouldn't I wouldn't even say you 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 assume he got shot. I didn't. Looks, I didn't. It, I didn't. Because it looks he handles it a lot like how he's been taking cover every time he's been shot. Yeah. It's a very subtle thing. And so when he's finally out rowing the boat and Key is like there's blood in the boat because she just gave birth, so naturally, you know, she might be worried that there's she has a, a cut, you know, from that, a wound that's, you know, still bleeding out. And he tells her, no, don't worry, it's mine. Because he's been shot. And it's in that one tiny, minute scene that you probably didn't even notice watching the first time. He gets shot, and he dies, and he's a drunk bastard. But he didn't give a damn. He wasn't in it for the money. (laughs) You know, Theo's just there. He's just there, and he's doing such a good job just being there. He's you know just what I mean? there, dude. He's just the guy that you want there. <laughs> he's yeah, man. It's because he phenom- the thing that, that's phenomenal. the thing. He, he, it's like the whole thing. His whole character is he doesn't want to admit everything that's happened, everything that's going on. He wants to try to ignore it, but he really can't. So he's a drunk, and it's by the end of it, it's sort of redeeming himself because. 
that the the baby gets named after his daughter or his son. Yeah. Dylan. And that like it's redemption. Yeah. Yeah, heavy it's, redemption. It's, well, we 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 kind of glossed over that. Um the the, the um, in the reason why Clive and uh, the woman who got shot in the neck earlier broke up was because um, their their son died and it was too much for them on their like relationship. So that's why they kind of split apart. Which again, they go over in Jasper's house in like five seconds of dialogue. Yeah, and like, this, it's to- totally missable. Totally missable. Yeah, so much of this movie is missable because every single second is useful in yeah. this movie, and yeah. it's. It's it really like I don't want to tell anybody to hyper focus, you know, like focus on every little thing you see. Just watch it. Don't try to understand it. Just watch it. That way, you come out sort of knowing. You come out seeing what you wanted to see. Like one of the things I noticed, um, I didn't know the name of this painting. I had to look it up, but it was essentially a painting that I knew Pablo. I'm a history major. That Pablo Picasso had uh, painted uh, in the events of the Spanish Civil War in 1936. Um, It's called Guernica, and essentially it was a city that was bombed so heavily that nothing remained. The thing about the Spanish Civil War is it's often referred to as a prelude to World War II. It's where fascism and democracy sort of faced off um, you know, you had German armies, you had uh, English armies, sort of democratic armies versus fascist armies. And it was totally brutal warfare. You see this painting when he visits his uh, uh, his cousin Nigel's to get the transit papers. And it's like, I don't think, we're, you know, that's not an accident we're seeing that painting. Yeah. It's yeah, too, it's too, ex- it's it probably one of his most famous paintings and it represents a horrifically bloody incident where mostly civilians died and it's abstract and you see just the heads of animals the heads of people back like to the limbs animals. yeah back to animals again and you see this same painting graffitied on the tunnel that they used to take the boat out on Right before the movie ends. You know, I kind of just had this thought as you explained that, that that kind of gives a relationship between the hierarchy of the super rich people that have this painting and then the sewers also having this painting. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's like the, the, the painting in theory, the painting in practice. Because we see it in a sewer in a town that's used to house refugees and that, that's now in the middle of a rebellion, which was 100% the Spanish Civil War. <laughs> so uh, this movie's very good with it, with everything. <laughs> Amazing movie, dude. And uh, I want everyone to see it. I think we're getting we're getting pretty close to wrap up time. We had a long episode this a long episode this week, about an hour, but this is a good one, dude. This is a good movie with a lot to talk about in it. So I highly suggest that anybody who found this review interesting, anybody who just wants to watch a movie, check out Children of Men cuz I really think that you're going to enjoy it. Definitely watch it, and especially now with everything going on during these times, I think it'd be a great exercise to watch this movie, because when I've told people to watch this movie before, I've said exactly what, I, what I've said earlier was, don't try to define everything, just watch it. 
Yeah. Is you're going to take and you're going to apply your own meaning to this movie. And yeah. that's why it's so good, because the world is believable and relatable. So you're going to understand this movie in your way. It's a you know, excellent way of self-expression just by watching this movie, which hats off you know, to everybody involved in it. So, all right. I guess that's a good place to wrap it up this week. All right. Well, we got to do the rating, bro. Out oh, of what? God. Out of oh, what? God. Out of... Uh, how, about, how about we do out of... Um, how many this... cow titties? <laughs> <laughs> yes, how many cow titties? How many cow titties? What is it? Eight is like 16 or something? I'm going to go... Dude, I'm going to give this one freaking... Dude, 9.7 cow titties, bro. That <laughs> out of much. Out of 10? Out of 10. 9.7 cow 9. titties 7? out of 10. Yeah, and the you know the those point three is only because I missed a couple things that first time, and it just like, you know, I, that it doesn't destroy the movie in any sense like we've been talking about. But I I'm not giving it a ten just because I did have a few questions in the plot. But again, like we've been talking about this movie, just pay a close attention to it and don't worry about it until the end, and then you'll find out all your stuff and you'll love it. I'm gonna I'm gonna give this movie. <sighs> Wow. Mark it down. I'm going to give it 10 out of 10. I'm, I'm going to do it to it. And, here, and here's why. I've seen this movie like maybe six times total. I've seen it once, slept on it, saw it later. I've seen it once, back to back. You know, I've seen it at very different intervals. And each time I watch it, I get something new out of it. Either I see something I didn't see or I think about something I didn't think about. And I think that's just straight up, you know, the purpose of this movie. You got anything else you want to add to it? That's the purpose of storytelling, bro. That is good storytelling. Good storytelling yeah. is when you want to watch it again or you want to read about it again and you go back and you think about it in a completely different way. That is the beauty of storytelling and that is why I love storytelling and why we have a freaking podcast about storytelling, bro. <laughs> so movies like this. Movies like this are why we wanted to start this podcast. Alright. Well, please be sure to like and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram to stay in the loop for upcoming episodes. We got, we got a lot of followers now. Uh, be sure to check us out on Ambiguous podcastsolutions.com and remember your donations keep my blue light on see you next week bye